Welcome in to another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast as we are officially wrapped up for the 2021-22 high school sports season. The last of the state championships were held a couple weeks ago with baseball and girls soccer. And we are starting our look ahead to the new 2022-23 season on Wisports.net. You may have seen some football content coming out already. Uh, we'll have uh, more information and, and more content to get ready for fall sports. Uh, but before we go headlong into the new year, we do want to take a, a step back and talk a little bit about the last year, the last uh, high school sports season. We're going to do a general overview of the season, and to do that, we're going to bring in our entire WSN content staff, which means that uh, just like the last uh, WSN podcast we had joining us are going to be our content manager and girls basketball writer, Norbert Durst, our boys basketball writer, Mark Miller, and our content producer, Colton Wilson. Guys, the last time we talked, we were talking about some of the proposed but not passed basketball changes, uh, but now we'll we'll, uh, we'll dig into kind of overview and, and general recap of the last sports season. So always good to have you guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking a few minutes here. Yeah, of course. Well, guys, it was a year that we started. If we go back to last fall, last August, when the uh, when the season got underway, we were anticipating a much more normalized return to sports. Uh, as, as everyone knows, the end of the 1920 school year was uh, just obliterated by, by COVID with the cancellation of the Boys and Girls State Tournaments for basketball, all spring sports. Um, the 2021 season was a very different year with uh, adjusted schedules, split seasons, fan limitations, different venues for state tournaments, all kinds of changes. Uh, but we were certainly anticipating a more normal return. And Norbit, it, it sure felt like uh, everything was back to normal this past year, which was awesome to see. Yeah, definitely. And like you mentioned, you know, the, the fans being able to attend games, I think that was a huge thing to be able to go out and support these, these uh, you know, young high school athletes because, you know, playing it, Playing those games without any fans, or if there are just a very few amount of fans, you know, definitely wasn't ideal. And it's obviously ideal for the fans to get enjoy, uh, to be able to enjoy um, some of these great high school athletes. Mark, of course, a, a, again, a, a much more normal return to sports. But were there things that you noticed that that still, you know, kind of had a little bit maybe of a COVID hangover, either either in regulations here or there or just kind of general interest anything that you noticed that still you know was was not quite back to normal oh sure i think the fact that some kids still had to wear a mask when they played in certain parts of the state some games still being postponed because of covid and then some teams not being able to finish their entire schedule because of uh, covid breakouts on their team but they were somewhat rare, um, particularly uh, compared to the previous uh, seasons. So, uh, like Norbert said, it was great to see fans back in the stands and things get back to about as normal as we could have expected, you know, given the circumstances. So, um, the one thing that I that I did notice too was that some of the schools that didn't play um, in the 2021 season. Um, it took a while for them, the Milwaukee and Madison schools in particular, it took a while for them to kind of 
to kind of gel and, and bring kids who missed an entire season of competition. Um, it, it took a while for them to, to, you know, be acclimated to the varsity game, the speed of the game, the physicality and so forth. So next year, of course, we, we won't have that uh, because all the teams uh, played last year. So at, at least we have that going forward and, and hopefully we can put it behind us. But, you know, you never know, I guess, with this, uh, with the variants and so forth of COVID, uh, things, uh, things could change and, and become dicey rather quickly. Colton, as you were at games and also uh, coaching JV basketball at Richland Center, you know how normal did it feel out there compared to the year before? It felt a lot more normal. I mean, there were still games when we played that either attendance was limited or they did the cleaning in between games. So there's still, especially early on in the year, there was still that sense of foreboding on the possibility of a game being canceled, you know, something happening due to the COVID uh, COVID virus. Well, guys, we, uh, we're going to talk about all of the good things that happened in high school sports this year in just a moment. But before we do, we want to help uh, remind people to help save lives on Wisconsin roads and eliminate crashes. Join the Wisconsin Department of Transportation's new campaign, Buckle Up, Phone Down. Commit to always buckle your seatbelt and put your phone down while driving every trip, every time. Take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, guys, when we entered the last year, 21, 22, of course, uh, that kind of cloud of COVID hanging over everything was, I think, probably the biggest story, not knowing how things were going to go, what, you know, what things were going to happen. But coming into the year, what other storylines were we really talking about and focusing on, um, and, and how did those play out? And let's maybe go by some of our primary sports coverage areas. Mark, entering last year... What was kind of the the storyline or storylines in boys basketball, and and what did those end up being as the year went along? Well, I think uh, Pewaukee was a big storyline because they had won the title the year before in Division Two, and uh, they successfully defended their championship. And many people thought that they had uh, maybe the best team overall. Um, certainly, I think Nina. I wouldn't say they came out of nowhere, but. Um, you know, Coach Lee Rabbis did such a great job last year uh, of molding that team and getting them to to play, you know, as a unit so well to win the Division One title, despite the fact that they were missing, uh, you know, the Klesman, uh, who was out for the whole year with an ACL injury. Um, so the, overcoming that uh, significant loss to their lineup and still being able to win the state title uh, in the fashion that Nina did and, and the FEA title, I thought was a uh, was a great storyline that kind of developed during the season. I don't think that was one that we looked at, you know, as a season started necessarily, but, uh, you know, that was a, that was a fun story to follow throughout the year. Um, and then in division three, you know, I think Lake country Lutheran came into the season, uh, with one mission in mind uh, and, and they accomplished that by winning the D three state title after finishing second the year prior. Uh, Division four was a little like Division one. I. I don't know that anyone would have picked Roncalli to win the state championship when the season started, but their performance at the state tournament against Marshall and then against Milwaukee Academy of Science is something that that I'll remember for a long time, just in the sense of how they played uh, like Nina together and and just as one unit and maybe gave up some talent to the other teams, but uh, but were able to overcome that with the 
with the tenacity that they competed with uh, on both ends of the court for the entire game. And in Randolph, again, I think uh, in D5, I think that was a little like Lake Country Lutheran at Pewaukee. You know, I think a lot of people felt that they were going to be the team to beat in Division 5, and, and that proved to be the case. So, you know, and individually, uh, Seth Trimble uh, of Menominee Falls came into the season probably as the leading candidate for the Mr. Basketball Award, and uh, and he lived up to that by winning that award. So, um Jerry Pettigue achieved his 1,000th win last year, and of course that was something that uh, at the beginning of the year that we felt was very possible as well. You know, looking back at the fall season and especially high school football, um, you know, obviously there was not a high school football championship in the previous school year. It was the only uh, sport that did not get a even a, an abbreviated championship. So there was that sense of of you know getting back to the state tournament and getting back to the playoffs and um, you know teams that felt like they missed out in that year that we did not have the the state championships and there was kind of a, a last dance feel almost for Franklin and for Sun Prairie for that matter and both those teams met in the state championship game in Division One in high school football of course Franklin winning it uh, felt like they had they felt like they had the best team in the state the year before when you know we did not get to have those playoffs and. They did not even get to participate in that abbreviated um, uh, culminating event. Uh, their, their school forced them to cancel. Uh, otherwise, we could have got them versus Muskego, which would have been awesome. Uh, but they had a great senior class led by Miles Burkett, who was the player of the year in the state that you know was looking for one more chance to, to make, that, uh, make that run. In Sun Prairie, not only did they have some really good uh, talent in that senior class, but as we, uh, as we know, they're splitting into two high schools and... You know, when that happens, it makes things a lot tougher to compete. So they had that last dance uh, type mentality, um, and we got a, a you know some great games at the state tournament, uh, as well as you know a, a team like Catholic Memorial just dominating through the schedule. We got Wanakee and Homestead, very uh, I think surprising state title run by Pewaukee. So some really good stuff happened in high school football as well. Some really good games and. You know, we got uh, at, at WSN, we got to, to experience and do some, some cool and unique things this year as part of that Game of the Week campaign that we did with Quick Trip, uh, where I got to go to some different places and see some different teams and really got to see some great participation and engagement by fans and by schools and communities uh, to, to make that uh, a really cool thing. We're hoping to bring that back this year. We will have the Game of the Week back. We're working with Quick Trip right now to get that uh, in place as a, a great partner once again. If people are, are, are listening and you know want us to, to, to get back to doing that, maybe send a little note uh, uh, to, to Quick Trip and let them know how, how cool that sponsorship is. But uh, certainly some good stuff happened in, happened in high school football. Norb, in, in your realm, girls basketball, what were some of the storylines coming into the year and what did uh, we end up as some of those big storylines at the end of the year? Yeah, we'll we'll start off with uh, Notre Dame. You know, they had won the the state title the year previous, uh, winning that title up at the Lacrosse Center, um, in that split season for state tournaments. Uh, you know, and and they were they proved that they were still you know the top dog uh, ending the year with the state title, um, winning their their last uh, 28 games. You know, Coach Sarah Rohde, she's been amazing up there at Notre Dame. She's on a short list now. Uh, four state titles, and, uh, you know, there's only, what, four other coaches, I believe, that have won four state titles in girls' basketball. 
you know, it's still, she's still a young coach, so there's plenty more, and maybe even this next season for Notre Dame. And then I think in Division One, just just how uh, deep the field was, there really wasn't a, a true, um, you know, clear-cut number one. Uh, FBA had a you know a strong run, and then Kendall kind of Moraine ended up, you know, taking that title. Um, you know, and then the other uh, three divisions, uh, three, four, and five, I think there were some clear favorites to start the year. Wapon and uh, and Randolph, both clear uh, number ones in their uh, their divisions. And uh, Mineral Point, uh, you know, they were number two to start the year, ended up uh, going undefeated. Them and Randolph going undefeated this last year. And Randolph, actually the first team since, you know, 24 games was added onto the schedule to win 31 games in the season. So there's, um, you know, a really good season for high school girls basketball. Um, you know, there's uh, some really good um, to be juniors coming in. Uh, Ali Zabel, um, just an outstanding year scoring over 30 points per game. And that Nina club's going to be ready to to make a run for this, uh, the state tournament. Also, um, very, very strong scoring this year by by a very young player, another sophomore this last year, Tegan Belegny. Uh, she scored 62 points in a game this season. That is just too shy of the state record set by Megan Gustafson back in the 2014-2015 season. So there's, uh, you know, really good season, and there's some really good scores coming up. Well, Colton, you just got done taking a look at kind of the the overall uh, picture when it comes to high school sports in the state of Wisconsin by uh, putting together the final standings in the winners for our WSN Cup. Um, as you looked over, you know, what happened with uh, with some of those teams and some of those scores, what stood out to you? What's kind of a recap of the overall picture in, you know, how well some of these schools did in high school sports? Well, it was kind of chalk again, you know, um, Arrowhead won, I think, for the 12th time out of 14 years. So we've had the WSN Cup. Shorewood won back-to-back. And then Edgewood won its fourth fourth straight uh, small divisions. And I think seventh or eighth overall. So it's it was a lot of the same when it comes to the WSN Cup. It was nice to have it back. We haven't had a – last year we didn't have the Cup at all with uh, COVID affecting so many schools and – so many programs throughout the state um 2019 and 20 i believe we awarded it but we didn't obviously have the spring season to uh factor in so this year uh arrowhead took that that large division they they won a state title and track that was i think the only the lone state championship for arrowhead but they they made deep runs in a lot of other uh sports Shorewood actually took home four state championships and boys and girls cross country. Um, and I forget the other two. But, and then Edgewood got, Edgewood took home the small school division. So it was nice. And just to, just to add on, it was nice to have a full spring season. We haven't had that in three years now. Um, last year it was very condensed with the alternate fall season being in there so spring got to have their whole full year this year for the first time since i think 2018-19 so that was good to see absolutely and uh you know there was a lot of spring sport athletes that obviously uh, unfortunately just got nothing their senior year back in 2020 when covid shut everything down and then as you said uh, an abbreviated adjusted schedule last year uh so it was it was good to see those spring sports athletes get back to 
uh, a regular competition. And again, we remind people to help save lives on Wisconsin roads and eliminate crashes. Join the Wisconsin Department of Transportation's new campaign, Buckle Up, Phone Down. Commit to always buckle your seatbelt and put your phone down while driving. Every trip, every time. Take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, guys, all of us got to get out and see a lot of games this year. I don't know if uh, if, if you guys keep track, uh, you know, how many games you see over the course of a season. But um, what were what was, if you can, what was the best game that you saw this year, uh, or maybe a couple? If you're gonna, you know, hedge your bets and and uh, waffle a little bit, uh, what what was the what was the best game you saw this year, Mark Miller? Oh, great question. Um, I, I think the best game, uh, two games come to mind immediately. The, the first one would be a, a game that was played at Madison College in the 608 tournament between Madison La Follette and Lacrosse Central that went double overtime. Uh, two really good teams. Obviously, Central made it to the Division II state tournament and finished second, and, and La Follette won the Big 8 Conference Championship. Uh, and Central won that game 77-73. to 73. Uh, just big shot after big shot in a fun environment uh, over at Madison College. And then, you know, when I think of the state tournament, the game that's probably going to stick in my mind the most uh, would be that Roncalli upset over Milwaukee Academy of Science and just the way that they took away the strengths of the individual players that MAS had on the court that day. Um, and, um, you know, just a just it is, I thought that game in particular was a testament to the the beauty of high school basketball and how scouting and planning and preparing and trying to to take away the the like I said the strengths of an opponent really uh, came through. When, when you look at that Roncalli team, that you know Luke Pouts was the guy that was their leader, uh, and you know he certainly uh, uh, is a college basketball uh, player uh, if he so chooses to do that. But then you look at MAS, and, and you know that team has a guy had a guy Davian Hanna who who uh, has since transferred to Nicolet, but who recently picked up a scholarship offer from Wisconsin. And then Tayshawn Bridges and Naz Beeman are, are guys that are, are going to probably play at the Division One level as well. So for for a team to come in there um, with not a lot of heraldic players and, and get that upset that that game, uh, it was you know probably something that you wouldn't see uh, every time when you went to the Kohl's Center. Probably MAS is going to win that game more often than not. But on that particular Saturday afternoon, uh, I thought Ron Colley just, just you know, out-toughed them and, and just, you know, took away all their strengths and, and got the win. So those two games kind of stand out for me. Norb, same question to you. Is there a game or a couple games maybe that were the best that you saw in person this year, either regular season or state tournament or, or playoffs? I'll go with two. Um, <clears throat> one of them, uh, I'll go number one here, but 1A, 1B, I guess we'll say. Uh, when Wapon went up to Notre Dame, I uh, made the tra- uh, trek up there and did not disappoint. It was a Monday night, uh, late January, and, uh, you know, Wapon, who ended up winning the D3 title, uh, Notre Dame, who ended up winning the uh, D2 title back-to-back for them, you know, just an outstanding contest, and Wapon who led nearly the whole contest and, you know, had Notre Dame on the ropes uh, for, uh, you know, there's, I believe it was a four or a 10 point game, excuse me, with uh, four minutes to go before Notre Dame really cranked up that strong defense. You know, Trista Feda, who was 
amazing at the state tournament, especially in that title game. You know, she w had a big game for them. Uh, Gracie Grash, you know, another one there that was huge. And on the other side, Abby Alsman was amazing for Wapon. But, you know, that, that defense for Notre Dame down the stretch was just too tough for Wapon. Another game I look at was uh, Brookfield East coming back to beat Arrowhead. That was at uh, the Pius uh, event. Uh, I believe that was in January. And that ended up being a triple overtime game. And again, in that one, uh, Brookfield East found themselves down down big. I believe it was 10 with uh, maybe uh, five minutes to go, about the same as that Notre Dame-Bapong game. And, you know, just battled back in it. And, you know, just uh, for a while there, just wanted to see who was going to win this game in, in overtime because, you know, after one, two, and finally uh, Brookfield East uh, gets that win in, in triple overtime. So just two outstanding contests right there. Well, I was treated to a great game right off the bat in, in the football season last fall. Um, maybe the best game of the entire year. It was our first ever quick trip game of the week as I made the trip up to Appleton North as the Lightning took on Franklin in what turned out to be the first of two amazing games between those two teams. Appleton North led early. They led most of the way. They were up three scores into the fourth quarter, I think it was, before... Uh, Miles Burkett and Franklin got hot and, and made a big comeback. And then on the uh, on a Hail Mary, it, it wasn't a, technically the last play of the game, but with under 10 seconds remaining, Miles Burkett hit Jocks Brooks for a, uh, a touchdown on a uh, essentially a Hail Mary play for the win for Franklin. An amazing, amazing game. And those teams met later in the playoffs, and it was a very close game with Franklin coming back to win as well. One of the best games I've been or ever been at. It was a big game. It was a big atmosphere. Two of the best teams in the state, certainly two of the top five teams in the state. Uh, and, and what a way it was to, to get that season off uh, and running. So an absolutely amazing game uh, there to, to begin the season. That was probably the best game I saw uh, last year. You know, guys, one of the things that is, is always, um, you know, always happening in high school sports is coaching changes um every year you know I, I i don't know how many there are excuse me in some of the other sports but there's 50 to 70 in football there's got to be at least that many in basketball as well um what were some of the coaching change stories coming into last season and also uh you know some of the noteworthy coaching changes that have already happened uh in the off season heading into next year uh i'll, I'll start a little bit in football i guess and talk about some of the ones that uh that are uh, coming up for this coming season that happened in the offseason. The big one, the, the big news was Steve Jones stepping down at Kimberly, led the, the papermakers, of course, to 70 straight wins at 1.5 straight titles, um, stepped down to pursue uh, private uh, private industry, private business uh, opportunities. Um, Chad Mikkelkavich, the former coach at De Pere, took over for him. A little bit of a domino effect is Ben Strickland, uh, former Badger player and coach, who had spent the last few years as an Edgewood assistant, uh, got the, the job at De Pere. Uh, also, a tragic, uh, unfortunate passing of legendary so uh, Somerset coach Bruce Larson in the offseason. Uh, and, you know, very sad to see him go. He was a great, uh, great person to talk with and uh, just, just heartbreaking for, for the Larson family. But Joe Hutter is the new head coach at Somerset. Ryan Eigenberger went from Kohler Sheboygan Lutheran Co-op up to Stevens Point. Mike Moreau, who won a, uh, some state titles 
as a, a coach at Hilbert in the past. He's had uh, this is now his third stint. Is coming back to be the head coach, uh, excuse me, head coach at uh, Hilbert. So certainly some interesting offseason coaching news. Um, Chad Cleary stepping down at Ithaca. Tim Eastlick at River Valley. Two two good friends that I've been able to make in the in the coaching realm. So always uh, always some coaching news going on. Mark, what were some of the coaching changes, uh, either heading into the year or this off season, that uh, that are making some noise and making some headlines? Well, I think the biggest one entering the year was John Murphy at Kimberly after taking a year off, the longtime Seymour coach, and uh, he had he had a strong year at Kimberly, playing an unbelievably tough schedule, um, and seems to be uh, uh, settling in there very well. Um, their their JV one and JV two teams went forty eight and zero. Uh, you know, playing in the Fox Valley Association. So I think the future uh, remains bright at Kimberly as it does, you know, for virtually all the sports that, that Kimberly has. Um, as far as the, this off season, um, you know, some of the, some of the guys like you, Travis, you know, you in, in Norbert and uh, Colton, you know, you've been in this a long time. You, you develop relationships with people and, and uh, you hate to see some of them step down, but you know, they do for various reasons that make sense. And, for me, I think Dennis Rudinger at Lourdes Academy falls into that category. Um, longtime coach there, and of course won the won the uh, D4 state championship uh, in 2021 in dramatic fashion with his son on the court, and and uh, now he's going to go watch his son play at Valparaiso, and he's also got a daughter that plays at Lourdes. Uh, I think will be a sophomore. Uh, John Hoke is another good friend of mine from Thomas More High School in Milwaukee, and. He got the president job at the school and uh, got him to the state tournament last year and won, uh, uh, you know, we're right there in, in the Metro Classic to win the conference title. He'll be replaced by Tony Main, a former great player at Thomas Moore, who also played at UW Lacrosse. Um, you know, those two guys uh, uh, certainly, you know, uh, achieved a lot of success during their time in the game. Um, Chris Wetler, of course, uh, another huge name, uh, huge personality and huge um a successful coach and just a tremendous person uh, retiring as the AD and boys basketball coach at Edgewood. And then most recently, Todd Marks leaving Eau Claire North and uh, taking on the challenge of trying to rebuild that program at Beloit Memorial, uh, a program that has tremendous tradition but has struggled of late. Um, and and uh, Todd's an excellent coach. Um, and I think uh, the, the, the people at, uh, at Beloit are really going to like the way that he can mold teams together. Um, and, you know, hopefully he can get that program turned around. Uh, they got one more year in the Big 8, and then they go into the Southern Lakes. So it'll be interesting to see what Todd can do there. And then two schools uh, that, that uh, in Wisconsin that are sponsoring basketball uh, on their own for the first time this upcoming year. The first one is, is Audubon Technology, which is a Milwaukee school on the south side of town that had co-opt with Hamilton. Milwaukee uh, Hamilton for, for several years, and now they're going out on their own. Uh, and Josh Gee is the coach of that program now, and Josh had been the head coach at the Hope School, which closed its doors in June, uh, and, and Josh got the job at Audubon, and, and several of the players that were at Hope are now at Audubon, so I think that's a that's kind of an interesting story to, to watch. And then, of course, Sun Prairie West, like you mentioned, Travis, um, you know, hiring uh, Chris Davis from the Madison East staff, um, and it'll be interesting to see how they how they factor in 
the new the new uh, revised uh, Big Eight, which will actually have 11 teams next year. Uh, many of the top reserves uh, and even some of the starters that were underclassmen uh, for Jeff Boos at Sun Prairie last year will be at West. Uh, so Jeff will stay at uh, Sun Prairie East, and then Chris Davis gets the job, of course, at, at Sun Prairie West. So those are some of the coaching uh, things that pop into mind. But of course, um, every school that changes uh, coaches, uh, every one of those guys has a story. And uh, you wish all of the ones that uh, are either retiring or, or doing new things the best of luck, and then their replacements best of luck too uh, as they enter this upcoming season. Nor, what were some of the, the names in, in schools and people making news for coaching changes in the girls' basketball realm, either coming into the year or in the offseason here? I'll focus on the offseason uh, just because there's been a lot of big ones. Um, notably, the Classic 8 Conference and the FBA both had a lot of changes, and that's going to really affect this upcoming season. Um, FBA, uh, you have Troy Cullen, who was a longtime coach there, stepping down. Um, his assistant, uh, David Lapisto, uh, hopefully I got that pronunciation correct, uh, taking over there. And, you know, I feel like that transi- transition is going to be smooth, but obviously going to miss Troy. Uh, always had a lot of good talks with him. Um, uh, longtime coach at Arrowhead, Rick Whitty. Um, I believe he started at Arrowhead. I believe it's been there 10 years. He takes over now at Maguanago. Um, he is an alum there, so that's a, probably a big reason why he went to Maguanago. Uh, had a heck of a program in Arrowhead, so I'm sure he's going to continue to build up what McGuanago already has. Um, a WBCA Hall of Fame coach uh, uh, changing teams here. Doug Pickerts is now going to be at Cambridge. He most recently at Marshall. Um, A.C. Clothier, who uh, had been coaching the college ranks, takes over at Hortonville after Celeste Radka stepped down. Uh, another baby on the way for Coach Radka, so that really affected that decision. Dina Smith, who has been around for many years. She's returning to uh, Jefferson where she won a state title. Um, another one, uh, Bob Morundi, um, he's returning to the game. He's uh, the new head coach at Greenfield. He had uh, a stint at uh, Cudahy, then, you know, the longtime coach at Grafton. So there's there's some big names coming back into the game and also we're losing some of those big name coaches as well. It, it's funny, right? Uh, we, we've all seen it. We've, I mean, there's Coaches like that in football this year, I mentioned Mike Moreau. Norb, you mentioned a number of coaches stepping back into it in girls. There's Samen boys. Coaches never leave for good, right? They, they always come back, it seems like, in some form. Often, as a head coach somewhere else, maybe they'll go help somebody else and, and be an assistant somewhere. But um, you know, some of the guys that I've talked to that stepped down this, this year already even, you know, I, I tell them, hey, well, I'm sure we'll see you back at some point, somewhere, somehow. So... They they never they're never gone for good, uh, which is you know that's 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 a good thing as well with some of some of the guys and and, and ladies that uh, have been very successful coaches you want them involved in the game as much as uh, as much as you can. Uh, again, we want to remind people to help save lives on Wisconsin roads and eliminate crashes. Join the Wisconsin Department of Transportation's new campaign. Buckle up, phone down. Commit to always buckle your seatbelt while driving every trip every time. Take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, guys, uh, you know, as much as we like to focus on the positives in, in high school sports, and, and that's where we want the focus to stay, there have been some pretty significant uh, off-season, or excuse me, off-court type of moves, including uh, court in-court 
moves that happened this year that were certainly noteworthy and, and gained a lot of attention and, and impacted a lot of things. And uh, Mark, when you were going through some of the basketball coaching changes, uh, you know, a couple of them are, are right uh, right there. First of all, last fall, Edgewood football had a great season going. They were undefeated in the regular season, won a Rock Valley Conference championship, uh, humming along in the playoffs, looked like a you know a contender to get pretty deep in the postseason. Then all of a sudden, on a random Monday or Tuesday, I got an email from somebody that said, hey, just a heads up, um, the the opponent that they're, that Edgewood is supposed to play this week is is uh, telling people that they might be playing somebody else. And sure enough, as it turned out, Edgewood uh, had used an ineligible player uh, that uh, that had forced them to have to cancel, or excuse me, forfeit their regular season games and some postseason games, and ultimately led to them uh, not being able to continue in the playoffs. Uh, it was taken to court by Edgewood. Uh, we were, you know, kind of waiting there for that court hearing to be held to know who was going to play who. Um, everybody was kind of in a holding pattern, and ultimately the judge denied Edgewood's temporary injunction request, and, uh, and, and they were removed from the playoffs, and all of their wins were, were turned to losses. Uh, it was uh, unfortunate all around, as it always is when those things happen. Uh, and then a little bit later on in the basketball season, St. Thomas More was involved in an on-court incident, uh, a, a fight broke out, um, and you know they, they were removed from the playoffs as well, unfortunately. Uh, however, the, uh, they filed a lawsuit, took it to court, and ultimately the, um, the court granted an injunction that uh, allowed them to return to the playoffs, and ultimately they advanced to the state tournament, um, Coming up short of a state title, they lost to Lake Country Lutheran in the in the semifinals pretty convincingly. But you know that that uh, them getting back into the state tournament and um, you know the the lawsuit and and people feeling one way or another on on all those things certainly you know I think Mark put a little bit of a a cloud over um you know what what had happened that was uh, by the way that was fuller collegiate academy that was involved in that that altercation uh so not the the good stuff we'd like to talk about but i think both are, are noteworthy situations that that uh that are, are worth mentioning anyway we we talked about those on the podcast uh mark i know we talked about it when st thomas more issue occurred but you know as it turned out they didn't win a state tournament they did get to state but you know, just kind of your final thoughts as as we uh, kind of, I guess for for now anyway, put a put a bow on on that situation in in the season. Well, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said there. It's never a, a, a good thing when stuff like that happens. And, you know, there's there's a lot of finger pointing and so forth. Um, you know, uh, being good friends with John Hoke at Thomas More, you know, and, and and watching the game not live but on 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 the stream. Um, you know, it's it just was an unfortunate thing that happened at the very end of a of a blowout game, um, and and then you know the Edgewood situation again. You know the communication that that Edgewood had received from Wade Lebecki at the WIA uh, led them to believe that uh, the young man was eligible, but uh, you know there was uh, I guess maybe just some bad communication there. You know between the between the WIA and, and Edgewood that. Um, 
that created that unfortunate situation. So, um, yeah, no, you didn't, you just, you just don't like ever to have those type of things involved. And yet, you know, guys, we got 500 high schools or so in the state and lots of games, lots of situations, you know, I mean, there was other, there were other things that happened. Uh, it seems like basketball is the one that, that, uh, seems to get a lot of it. Uh, you know, the, the, the call at the end of the, the Nina Hortonville girls basketball game. And then, you know, was the shot good or was the shot not good when, when Southwestern, uh, played, um, banger in a division four, uh, playoff game, uh, and all those stuff with social media that goes along with, you know, pictures and so forth. Um, yeah, it's, it's a different time. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, you know, the WI has a tough job to do and, and they have to enforce the rules. But sometimes I, I wonder if, if, um, if they're, if the gray area that they use sometimes, uh, as far as student athletes being eligible after a transfer, they don't seem to, to, to use that same, um, line of thinking when it comes to rules they're they're black and white and many times they are of course but uh i don't know it seems like sometimes uh um sometimes they aren't as well and and i think sometimes uh uh that's why the courts sometimes are involved and you know whether it's wrestling in the past or certainly the edgewood and thomas moore situations this past year uh you wish it wouldn't happen. You just wish, you know, gosh darn it, you wish it, you know, you'd have to deal with that. I'm sure WI feels the same, but, but sometimes they do happen and, and, you know, you have to, you have to adjust to, uh, you know, what the courts say and so forth. So, um, yeah, hopefully we won't have too much of that in 22, 23. Let's hope anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's worth noting that that court case between the WIAA and St. Thomas Moore is technically not settled. Even though the temporary injunction was granted to allow Thomas Moore to, to get back into the playoffs, the final decision in that is still ongoing, and there's still a, a court case involving that. Um, for for Thomas Moore, you know, they, they want to be able to hang on to those wins in that state term, tournament appearance, but perhaps more significantly for the WIAA, they want to be able to have that precedent that they are able to enforce their, their rules and their um, you know, officials' decisions and those kinds of things. So that's not officially over, and, and we'll see if that gets addressed here uh, in the coming months. Speaking of the WIAA, it was certainly a season of change for the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association, and it started at the top as Dave Anderson resigned uh, in, in the summer of 2021. Stephanie Hauser was promoted to executive director, so she now has one full year under her belt in that role. Wade Lebecki stepped down as well last summer. Mel Dow, former Stoughton Athletic Director, was uh, promoted to Associate Director. You had some other shuffling of responsibilities. Tom Shafransky took over oversight of, uh, of football. Cassie Mortimer was promoted to uh, Assistant Director as well. LeVar Ridgeway was hired as uh, an Assistant Director as well, the first African-American to serve on the staff of the WIAA. Just recently, Melissa Gehring was hired as a, an Assistant Director for the WIAA as well. So there's been some pretty significant turnover in the staff at the WIAA. Several of their other uh, staff members in the office have resigned or retired in, uh, in the last year or so as well. So it's been a lot of turnover uh, Norb and, and Mark, what have you seen in kind of the the new regime, if you will, for the WIAA? You know, anything that uh, that stands out? Um, you know, how they do business, the things that they're looking to do, as opposed to 
the the previous administration that had been there. Norb, maybe we'll start with you. You know, I just think fresh ideas are, you know, something that uh, I've already seen, you know, just the welcoming to change and, and the fresh ideas. I just think those as a whole, um, you know, maybe uh, more of a willingness to listen to um, other other opinions outside of the WIA, you know, just, you know, people to make things better for the WIA. You got to talk to the athletic directors, the coaches and things like that. And, I, you know, it, New people in the WIA, I think, is always a good thing. And, you know, we want to continue to build. So I think that's a, a good step in the right direction. And, you know, getting more females on, on the WIA, in the WIA is important as well. Absolutely. Uh, a female executive director and Stephanie Hauser. You have uh, several uh, assistant directors, Kate Peterson-Abiad, Cassie Mortimer, and now Melissa Gehring as, uh, as females on that staff. So certainly, uh, you know, a, a, a different look to the executive staff. Mark, anything that you've seen that, that stands out in, in terms of how the WIA has, has looked at things in the last year and going forward? Um, well, you know, the WIA office, the executive office is, is uh, I think, open to change and in, in, uh, as it relates to boys basketball, in particular girls basketball, um, which is, you know, the thing that I follow the closest, obviously. Uh, the problem with, is that that the board of control and, and the advisory council um, aren't aren't don't appear to be open to change. So when we had these proposals that that uh, from the spring here that went by the coaches advisory and then the advisory council and then the executive staff, which would be those people that you're talking about in Stevens Point that approved these changes, uh, and suddenly it got turned around at the advisory council and the board didn't even hear it as as you reported on a couple weeks back. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I do think that the, the new people in positions at the WI office are, are, are open to, to change and to listening and to working with coaches and athletic directors. But, you know, their job is dictated by the board of control. Um, so, you know, the, the, the point, if, if you want to get these changes made in any sport, they have to pass the board of control. And if they're big enough changes, of course, they have to go to the annual meeting. Um, so, um, you know, they could be open to change and, and, you know, talk to the people on the board about the, the positives of adding a, an experimental shot clock and, and adding two more teams to the state tournament in the division one. And, um, and yet, you know, when, when it comes down to it, uh, um, they only have, uh, basically an advisory, uh, um, position as well, because, uh, it's the board of control and the advisory council that that make those decisions. So that's where the disappointment for for many people came this spring, as far as the boys basketball uh, changes that that were voted down. Well, guys, we will uh, we'll put a bow here momentarily on this uh, discussion of the. 2021-22 high school sports season. Before we do, I do want to mention uh, a couple highlights from spring sports that we we haven't really covered in depth, and, and we don't cover those spring sports as much as we do some other sports. Uh, we'll, we fully acknowledge that. We fully uh, try as much as we can to uh, to expand our coverage and expand what we're doing, and we'll, we'll continue to try to do that. But uh, from the recently completed spring sports season, um, it was interesting in the baseball state tournament, every lower seeded team in the Division I quarterfinals won. Uh, in fact, the state tournament was won by eight seed Bayport. 
The top seed went down right away in Division Two and Division Three as well. Uh, you know, it was interesting to see some of those upsets in the high school baseball state tournament. And then, how about the uh, the track and field state championships, which are one of the crown jewels of the high school sports calendar every year? An amazing uh, couple days there at the uh, at UW Lacrosse. Uh, some some great performances capped by a national record-breaking performance by senior Royce and Willis of Stevens Point in the 800-meter run, ran two minutes, zero seconds, and three hundredths of a second. So almost got under two minutes in the 800. That was uh, at least a full second faster, I believe, than the previous national record. And she uh, she did some amazing things there obviously and some great performances at the girls state excuse me at the uh, state championships Casey Martinson of Benton Scales Mound won three state championships in the distance events for the second straight year she was also uh, a multi-time winner in the cross-country championships I think she had 11 total state championships and that doesn't include obviously the 2020 season when the state championships were canceled Uh, otherwise she could have been you know, a, a, a history record-setting uh, performer in terms of total state championships. Guys, before we go, anything else that, that stands out to you? Colton, we'll start with you maybe. Any other storylines, topics, games, players, performances, anything else from this past year that we haven't hit on or or that is certainly noteworthy in, in your opinion? Mother Nature. That's what we haven't hit on. She just rears her ugly head at the beginning of that spring season and makes it a mess for everyone involved. I can't imagine what ADs and coaches go through. I know on our end, it's a pain in the butt in those that first month of just rescheduling everything. So COVID may have had its, had its time in 2020 and 2021, but Mother Nature came back in full force this past spring. Norb, any, any other final thoughts on uh, the 21-22 school year before we wrap things up? Well, we got to give a shout out to the Kokona softball team, uh, back-to-back Division One state champions, and they'll enter uh, the 2023 year with a 51-game winning streak. So, you know, while you know spring sports unfortunately kind of get uh, pushed back a little bit, even from you know other media's, um, you know, got to give a, a shout out to them because that that's so impressive to go through that. And you know, their best pitcher this year was a freshman, so that just shows you know the program that they have up there in Kokona. Boy, I, I don't envy those FVA teams in the next couple of years uh, with, with what they have coming back. Mark, final thoughts on the 21-22 season? Yeah, um, boy, you guys really touched on some interesting topics there. Um, I, I think um, the thing that I still really enjoy is watching the student-athletes that excel in more than one sport, whether it's two or three, um, seeing some of the future Badger football players play basketball or um, you know, seeing a, a, a baseball player excel in football um, or a soccer uh, person also uh, doing very well in track and field, whatever it is, you know, uh, Norbert and I do the, the triple threat, uh, the bug tussle triple threat athlete of the week. And um, it's always fun to, to, to feature those kids that excel in three sports. And I hope that that continues far into the future because you know, when you do that, you, you, uh, so many of the, the, the student athletes that we that we um, interview each week talk about the relationships that they build, not only with their teammates in the different sports, 
but with uh, opponents as well. And you're going to see different uh, student athletes from different schools on you know, on the football field and the basketball court and the baseball diamond and track and soccer and volleyball. They're all they're all different. Um, so uh, hats off to all those student athletes in Wisconsin that. Uh, play multiple sports. I think it's a healthy thing, and um, I, I really enjoy watching, like I said, uh, the, the big football star uh, also excelling on the basketball court and in, in staying in shape and getting his footwork down and so forth, um, or the, the All-State volleyball player also performing well uh, on the softball diamond, for example. So um, shout out to the, to the, to the multi-sport athletes in Wisconsin. And that's a good reminder and segue into the fact that our winners of the Pat Richter Award uh, as the top three sport athlete in the state of Wisconsin presented by Bug Tussle. The winners of those awards will be announced here in the next week or so uh, for boys and girls. So keep an eye out for for that information coming out on WSN. yeah, a big thank you as well to, to everyone out there that, that li- not only listens to the podcast, but visits WSN. We've got a great uh, user base, a great uh, group of, of people that um, you know come and, and find their high school sports information at WSN. Big shout out and thank you to the coaches that, uh, that put in the work with the high school athletes and also deal with us in the media and send us information, take the time to enter stats and scores. Um, to make sure that their athletes and their teams are are getting the recognition and exposure that they deserve. Thank you to the the parents that, that get kids around and take them everywhere and and put in the time and effort. Thank you to the WIA staff and uh, that that makes all of this possible. Big thank you to our our great friends in the media as well, print, TV, radio, many of them that we work with and have known for for a long time. It's a tough business right now. High school sports media, many of them have seen their their uh, their coverage areas cut. We've seen people lose their jobs. It's um, you know it, it, it it's it's tough, and so we appreciate all those people that are putting in that work as well. And a huge thank you and a huge congratulations to the student athletes that make uh, high school sports what it is. That uh, put in the time, that put in the effort, that put in you know the the, the daily grind to showcase their abilities, to represent their communities, to represent their schools. And, uh, and just make high school sports a great thing. A big thank you to everybody out there, also our great sponsors and partners. And uh, one more time, let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads and eliminate crashes. Join the Wisconsin Department of Transportation's new campaign, Buckle Up, Phone Down. Commit to always buckle your seatbelt and put your phone down while driving every trip, every time. Take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. That will do it for today. That will do it for our look back at the 21-22 high school sports season. Again, already all kinds of information coming out for 22-23 sports year. And uh, let's make it a great one, huh? Uh, Mark, Norb, Colton, really appreciate you taking some time to come on. That will do it, though, for today. This has been a WSN podcast. We'll see you at a game.